Hey, lovely! You're listening to the She Dreams All Day podcast with your gal pal and fellow introvert Mia Brox. That's me, by the way. This is a safe space for all introverts and dreamers looking to realize their dreams of shining online with confidence, so they can build a dreamy online business, make an impact in the world, and that kaching while being a hundred percent themselves and having fun in the process. And around here, the introvert hangover is, of course, sold separately. I'm all about empowering you to step into your superpower and become quietly confident online. I'm also about. Friends, the TV show, chocolate, milk, chocolate, and coffee with cream. And just so you know, quiet people can do amazing things because we totally can. So get ready to feel inspired, learn, laugh out loud, and let's be alone together. Have an honest chat about how cool introverts are as we dive into today's episode. Hola, amiga. I'm not Spanish. That was stupid. Welcome back to the She Dreams All Day podcast. I have a very juicy episode for you today because in today's interview, in today's conversation, the hot topic is money, and we all love money. We love money. We're business owners. We need money. We love to spend it. We love to make it. We love all the things, right? But I know also money can be a little bit of a hard topic. An overwhelming topic, and so we're going to dive into a lot of things in this episode. I am talking with the amazing Jessie Scanlon. She is a financial guide and founder of Abundance Advocate, who has combined her knowledge as a CPA and certified yoga instructor to create a company that helps soul-centered women experience greater financial wellness in order to increase their impact while honoring their well-being. Sounds amazing, right? It's pretty damn amazing, if I do say so myself. She shares so many amazing strategies, so many amazing tools for managing your relationship with money and owning the narrative of your money story. We also talk about how to thrive during challenging times. I'm specifically talking about what's going on in the world right now financially. So how to set your business and your life up to thrive during these challenging times. So I'm so excited for you to listen into this episode. I hope you enjoy it, and as always, hit me up on Instagram stories and let me know what you think. Alrighty, Rue, cue the interview. Well, that one's new. Alrighty, Rue. Hey, Jesse, welcome officially to the Should Dreams All Day podcast. I'm so so excited to have you here. Hi, Mia. So happy to be here with you and to start my day with this chat. Oh, I'm so 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 excited to talk about money. It's one of my favorite topics. But I actually don't know a lot about it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm not a money expert, but I love to talk about it. I love to learn about it. So I'm really, really excited to talk to you because this is your field. This is your jam, your thing. So before we dive into all the things, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. You know all those classic questions, but kind of you know your story. How did you find your jam and passion as a financial? Healer and guide. I would, yeah, I would just love to know what that journey has looked like for you. Beautiful, yeah. So I, I'm a sensitive, deeply caring person, and I love to unwind and kind of get silly with my partner and my close friends. But that hasn't always been the case. That unwinding, that silliness, that's been something that I've had to learn. I was very serious 
very shy and introverted when I was younger. So I didn't really question things. One of the most beautiful things that I've cultivated along this journey has been a sense of curiosity and permission to ask why and question some things that are considered the norm and the path. So, you know, I did, I think this is a similar story to a lot of people, but after high school, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I stayed on the path and I I got into college and I studied hard and I did well. I actually think I tried to give myself an opportunity to explore things because I went into college without declaring an area of study because I knew I didn't know what I wanted to do at 18. And then, you know, once I got there, I got caught up in the pressure of everyone knowing what they wanted to do and choosing areas of study. So I chose business, more specifically accounting because it's stable and you can make a lot of money and (laughs) you always have a job. So I did that and, you know, professors were great. So I think I kind of tricked myself into thinking I liked it and I was good at it, which, you know, doesn't always mean you like it, but it means there's some motivation to keep going. But then as, as that progressed, I competed for the coveted internships and that kind of brought me into this, this world of international accounting that ended up being a very toxic environment for me. And, you know, my soul, my body was sending me signs along the way, but I was ignoring them as we do when, when we don't have the awareness. (laughs) Totally Um, relate. Yeah. And then it was finally my body, my soul was screaming at me. And so that's when I experienced uh, some challenges with my physical wellness. And I was like, okay, something has to change here. And, you know, in true Leo fashion, I I did like a huge upheaval of life. So I left a, a partner, I left an apartment that I was like in the middle of a lease with in Boston and just moved to the West Coast and wow. kind of started over. And that's when I realized that I struggled with my relationship with money because I had just had this great job and I was saving and kind of climbing to all of those material rungs that like you you do when you're in this environment where people care about money and they're striving for material steps in the ladder if you will and I didn't have that anymore in fact I, I didn't really know what I had who I was because the identity was stripped did you quit your job at this point as well yes Yes. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, quit That's the job. Exciting. Yeah. That must have been so exciting slash scary. <laughs> it was terrifying. Yeah. And I was nervous because it was very much breaking the path because it was like, you stay at this job for two years and then you get to open up your, your future and decide what you want to do. But I, I couldn't stick in for two years. It was one, one year in and my body was screaming at me. Right. So yeah. it was exciting, but at the same time, so scary. And, you know, really the first time I think I chose myself and like took a leap of faith. And I wouldn't say I was comfortable with the uncertainty, but I at least was open to it. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. I love it so much. I think this is going to be so inspiring for our listeners to to learn. And so when you moved, what happened then? <laughs> like, tell us all the so, things. So <laughs> when I moved, it was kind of, so I took eight months off. I was in Oregon. It was gorgeous. And I was hiking and I was, 
reading self-help books and I was mm. meditating and I was doing yoga. And so I was connecting. So I think that was, that was when I really learned how to recenter to myself and bring myself back to, to what it was that I am. So, you know, there was identity searching and, and truly, I think up until this point in my life, I never really asked myself, what do you want? Mm. What did you, Jesse? what do you want? And, and so it was really funny because that's when I started to, I challenged myself during that period to wake up in the morning, sit with myself for a bit and then just ask myself what I wanted to do. And it felt very weird to answer that question because I just wasn't in touch. So after months of doing that, I started to, you know, learn how to listen to my body and, just started to let that kind of control my day. But then that this relationship with money started to surface at the same time. And I started to get a little bit anxious about my bank account and because I wasn't working and I noticed kind of obsessively checking it and, you know, all it's doing is going down at this point. Mm, (laughs) So I don't know why I thought something different would happen when I was checking it for the third time that day, you know, sort of thing. So that pressured me into taking another job in accounting. I moved to San Francisco, very expensive city. And that just sort of perpetuated this, this tense relationship with money. So rather than diving into it right then and there, I, I kind of just pushed it down as we do part of my path. And then we'll fast forward a couple of years, stayed there, had some physical wellness challenges surface again And that's when I was like, okay, it's time to make a change again and ended up coming back to my roots here on the East Coast. The somatic and wellness side of how I approach money has come to be because I was doing a yoga teacher training. And again, it was my job at this time or my practice, my ritual to get on my mat, do some meditation move my body a little bit and really tune into self. And I noticed that at the same time I was, I was taking a break with work again at this time Mm. when the money stuff surfaced, I was going back to these practices. So that's kind of when I was like, Oh, there's, there's a more holistic relationship and root cause that's going on here. So if I use my mindfulness training and tools that I'm adding to my tool belt here, when other things, other anxieties come up, that's actually really beautiful. That's actually really helping me through this. And that's when I started to ask, I was taking on bookkeeping clients at this point, just to bring in a little bit of money. And I noticed with their anxieties, I started to give them little tools that I was learning in yoga and it was really helpful. That was the feedback I was getting. So I was like, okay, there's something in this, this experimentation that I'm doing that the world needs. And that's how I I started as financial healer. And I noticed that that was a little bit intimidating. So now call myself a financial guide, but I really do infuse these mindfulness and somatic tools into this more strategic side of, of money that I can also get into with clients. 
Oh my gosh, that's that's amazing. I just want to rewind a little bit when you mentioned, you know, you're taking this time off and you're asking yourself the question, what do I want? I think that's really powerful. I just want to touch on that again because I think a lot of us don't do that enough because we're so busy all the time living life and you know people who are in the corporate world they're just climbing the ladder maybe they're not even asking the question maybe you know the answer to that question is something completely different to what they're actually doing so I think this should just be like a little sign to people listening you know ask yourself that question what do you actually want in this life and are you moving towards where you want to be and not just like on the hamster wheel of life you know, even if you're an entrepreneur or if you're in a nine to five, like, what do you actually want? So that's beautiful. Yeah. And if it doesn't come to you the first time, that's okay. Just yeah. ask yourself again and again, because event, like, like I said, it was a practice for me, <laughs> like a months and months before I started to hear just like the littlest sign or voice from my body telling me, answering me like giving me some sort of clue or guidance. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. So let's fast forward then to the money. Though. Yeah. Uh, so what do you right now, what do you specifically help your clients with? You mentioned bookkeeping. Is that part of what you do now? Or have you more so moved on to helping people navigate their relationship with money, helping people navigate that and maybe even like changing the narrative of their money story? Like what do exactly do you do? Uh, what do you help your clients with? is what I'm asking, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Bookkeeping is not part of the role right now. It's evolved okay. from that. That was kind of my entry point. But right. so now I work with women. I attract a lot of entrepreneurs, obviously, because I'm in that world. Yeah. But I work with women to experience greater financial wellness. And what that looks like is, yes, the foundation of it is unearthing our money story. It is really getting reflective on how we got it, what the influences are, what's the origin, how does our lineage play a part of it? So first step is what's the story and kind of where did it come from? What has influenced it? Then we move into what parts of that story might not be serving us because it's been influenced by so many things, by family, by culture, possibly religion, then it's the tough questions of who am I right now? And who am I trying to be or, or moving towards being? Who's my favorite self, highest self, you know, all of those types of things. And, and how is she with money? What's preventing me from moving and being more like that person? So we have to do some unlearning here at this step, which you know, obviously takes a while, but we can begin to do it at least. So the tools that I like to work with mostly are prompts and visualizations because I've studied yoga nidra. Have you heard of that branch of yoga? Not that branch. <laughs> it's like deeply meditative yoga. You basically lay there, but then you have someone guiding you through and, and it's, it's, it goes deeper than that, of course, but you're getting into beta consciousness. And so you're really working with your subconscious there. So we do a lot of subconscious work because that's where we hold some of these ideas about our self-worth, right. our capacity for growing, our capacity for learning, earning more, deserving more, that sort yeah. of thing. So that's that step. And then once we've done that and we've built our awareness, we get to reclaim our story and we get to rewrite it. So 
Now we have a semi-blank or mostly blank canvas, and we can choose what that story is. And we can call on our higher self or future self to help us in that by, you know, envisioning what they do, how they show up, Mm -hmm. how they carry themselves, how they interact with money. And that's how we can sort of call on help to rewrite. And then only after all of that, do we build in strategic tools and, you know, really like the actual, the the practices, the rituals, I like to call them rituals, our money rituals that we can do mm-hmm. to kind of uh, make this a sustainable practice for us in the long run. Oh, so good. So I was going to ask you for a step-by-step to financial well-being and you just gave it to me. So thank you so much. Perfect. I was reading your mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something in the introvert, you know, it's a connection. But I was going to also ask and follow up with a question when it comes to these tools that you mentioned, these strategic tools, because I mean, it's one thing to, I mean, it's a whole thing to get clear on what your money story is. And I think for a lot of people, it's challenging to actually uncover those limiting beliefs that you already that you have about money, but then maintaining, you know, when you come up with the new story, the new narrative, how do you actually maintain that? So what does that look like? What are the tools that you use with your clients? to kind of to have them not fall back into old patterns, so to speak. So it starts actually pretty simply, and I kind of alluded to it, but I encourage my clients to find and explore and practice like rituals. So the way that I use rituals, I mean, rituals can look very different, but it starts with like setting a weekly money date with yourself and Then also extending that. So we have weekly, we have monthly, potentially quarterly, especially if you run a business, and then definitely annually. And the weekly ones can be quick. The monthly ones should be a bit longer. And then those annual ones, I was just taking a group of clients through this, can be, should be, or I invite clients to make them really, really like comfortable and inspiring. So maybe that's like a weekend where you set up your space and you light candles and you pull out your journal and you grab cozy vibes <laughs> super cozy like the yeah. introvert in me like get a oh. grab a blanket sit Yay. under it maybe play some light music so yes. these sorts of things to actually make it really warm and inviting and not just like a chore to check off so I invite clients to do that even with the weekly ones but yeah. um it just starts with that because by creating space, you're allowing, you're cultivating a relationship where it's not just you demanding things from your money and your finances. It's this dance that you get to create with, with the money and you're opening a space to connect and have a reciprocal relationship, just like anything that we're in relationship with. And so something as simple as that. And then of course, like some clients prefer to spend more time in this kind of energetic or in these somatic tools of like preparing the nervous system. Like maybe we work on some breathwork techniques, we work on orienting so that when we slip into our old money story, we can find ourselves back in the truth of the present moment mm-hmm. and then be like, oh yes, like I have, I have this new narrative that I'm trying to live out. 
Whereas some other clients want to go over a spending plan, which is pretty much what I call budgeting and want to dive into numbers with me and really look at like set some goals and break those down into tangible things to be working on each week or each month as they get paid. So it looks a bit different depending on the person because we're all so different and everything resonates differently, but it's very simple stuff like that, like create space, create time in your schedule, put it, actually put it on your schedule and actually sit down and show up for yourself. Yes. I am a little bit obsessed with this idea of having a dance, a weekly dance with my money. Yeah. (laughs) I I love that. I think I'm actually going to implement that and add it to my calendar. What what do you actually do during those days? Because I'm a very like strategic person. Uh, I love the woo as well. But like when you mention like that you have clients who like to set goals and like to mm-hmm. get strategic and look at the numbers like, ooh, I'm like, yes, yes, I want that. If you could just explain a little bit about what one could do during a money date, a dance with money. Yeah. So in my monthly money dates, they're a little bit more structured where like, this is my time where I check in with my numbers. I check in with how I check in with my values because I have a set of core values that yeah. really helps me guide spending, investing, all of these money questions that come up because we're inundated with them right daily. So that, and and then, you know, that's a little more strategic, but I'll also check in with my vision. I'll check in with my story, like how well did I embody my money story this month? Mm-hmm. And in the areas where I don't feel like I embodied it, how can I do that next month? So it's a bit of reflection and a bit of projection. That's my monthly. And then with the weekly ones, there's more freedom. There's less structure. There's more freedom, which is hard for me too, because (laughs) I love a good structure. Yeah. But on these days, it's really fun because I kind of just check in again. I ask myself, like, what do I need? Like, what is my relationship with money needing from me? Just as you would check in with like, say a partner where you're like, okay, what's the partnership needing this week? Like what's been surfacing, what's coming up. So I check in and then, you know, it might just be, I put on music, like I have energy that doesn't feel so great. So I put music on and I dance. It could be that I really need to ground down. Like I've kind of just been up here and maybe there's been decisions that have gotten me really in my head and I need to ground. So maybe that's like putting on some music, meditation music and taking myself through a visualization or finding one. There's beautiful ones online that could also be, I'm not sure if you've heard of tapping as yes, a definitely. Tapping. Yeah. And trust me, like, even though I'm a financial guide, I still have uh, insecurities and like self-worth come up around money. Like, do I deserve it? Do I deserve to make more? And so tapping can be really helpful with that. So those weekly sessions that are like anywhere from maybe 15 to 30 minutes are when I get to have more play and freedom and just check in and be like, do I need to like put my blue light glasses on and dig into my numbers right now? Or do I want to dance it out? Or do I want to do some EFT? So that, and then I've got the more structured check-ins built in. Ah, so many good, ah, so many good things. (laughs) Dancing, everything. I love it so much. So money goals. I was going to ask you about this because I love setting goals. I love setting intentions. I love, you know, dreaming up 
a, a good financial quarter and do some profit planning and things like that. But in your opinion, should we be setting financial goals? Like, is that too much pressure or, you know, what are we telling the universe? You know what I mean? It's like, cause I feel like for me, sometimes I love setting goals. Other times I'm like, this is just, just is too much pressure. This is, you know, it's just going to make me feel bad if I don't hit my financial goals. You know what I mean? So totally. what's your take on that? Such a hot topic question and yeah. so controversial. <laughs> I love a good goal. I yeah. really do, but I do have a different perspective on it. So for me, what I've noticed, and for a lot of my clients, what I've noticed is that if we have no goal, no parameters, no guidelines, what can happen with money is that we make a lot of money and we may have an intention to save it or invest it in in whatever, like a training or a vacation or whatever, but we make it, we see it in the account and we're like, ooh, we get to send it now because there's no guideline parameter. Yeah. And then when we do make a goal, however, what we can do is that just gives us context to that amount of money. So it's almost like assigning it a job. So we're like, okay, we have this and you know, obviously sit down with your values. What I love to do is I have core values and some of them are comfort, wellness, well-being is big for me, discovery. So that encompasses education and travel. So I'll sit down and I'll be like, what area of these, like these values bring me the most joy in life, right? If I follow them, what area am I feeling like I want to invest in? And so I'll set a goal in that area. Hmm. And then- what that helps me do is actually hold myself accountable. So the way that I like to use goals is accountability. And I think a lot of people need that because at any given moment of a day, we, we see tons of ads for clothes and trainings and this and that. And it can be so easy to lose sight of this thing that we've been, you know, really putting time and energy and resources, money into to achieve and then within moments notice, we could get some sort of ad and we're like, ooh, that looks good. I want that. And we we sort of give into the instant gratification that we're going to get from that. And then afterwards, what we feel is shame, guilt, uh, sadness, maybe. And those those are really heavy. So I like to use goals as accountability. But then when I go to have a review session, There's so much compassion that I try to infuse in all of this work. I try to approach myself, my clients with with non-judgment because we are bound to make mistakes. It's just inevitable. So when I go to sit down and, you know, obviously this is a lesson that we have to learn every time we go to sit down, but I try to holistically look at my goals and my progress towards the goal. So if I I'm sitting down for a quarterly review and I'm like, okay, in Q2 of this year, I didn't quite reach my revenue goal for my business. You know, at first I might feel the frustration or the sadness or those feelings of not being enough surface, but then I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to use my tools and I'm going to take a holistic look and be like, you know what? My sister just had a baby and the family really needed me. And I wanted to be a part of that. So that was less time spent at my computer. Mm. And, you know, for me, that feels worth it or whatever it may be. So 
I like to really bring this holistic view of wellness, like potentially your physical wellness needed some more attention and that required you to be at appointments or go do body work or, you know, invest your time and energy because our resources are limited. So does that answer the question? That definitely answers the question. That was such a good answer to the question. So thank you so much for sharing your (laughs) take on goals. Another thing that I wanted to ask you, there are lots of things that I want to ask you during (laughs) these times, during, you know, the recession or whatever is happening in the world right now. How do you, what's your best advice to entrepreneurs when it comes to, you know, navigating and these rough times and thriving in these tough times as well like when it comes to making money and spending money because we're we're businesses we want to make money and we need to spend money to make money and so I just wanted to ask you how you help your clients with that or how yeah if you could share a little bit about your thoughts on what's happening in the world right now financially yeah thanks for asking this this is a beautiful (laughs) conversation to have Uh, And so important for entrepreneurs because we tend to make variable income. I know there's many different ways to bring in revenue and to make it less risky and less variable. But a lot of us are still kind of playing that game of um, what will we bring in this month, right? So the first most important thing to do for both businesses and just individually during a recession is have what I call a peace of mind fund, an emergency fund. You have to have that. You have it for your business and you have it for yourself personally because everything is so volatile. And the last thing we want is to find ourselves in panic mode because what that does is it shuts our body down and it shuts our creativity down so as business owners of course we want to still make money and our creativity and our openness are two of the biggest ways that we're able to do that and when we don't know that we've taken care of ourselves in this fundamental way such as just having some amount of money set aside it's really hard to feel comfortable enough to open ourselves up to creativity. And there's, there's debates about how much money this is. A rule of thumb is uh, anywhere from three to 12 months of those necessary expenses that you need to spend to run the business. And if you need help finding that, we'll drop where to find me and I can help guide anyone through that so that there's clarity around what that is. But that's the biggest thing. And then from from there, it's, you know, staying curious about what's going on and what decisions are being made. And then potentially just really evaluating your investments and your spending, your decisions on those core values. Like now is a time where we really stick to those and we do the things that are going to move us forward, but maybe not so many auxiliary things. That could be for potentially next year. We stay lean and we stay close to those values. And we know that those are going to really guide us and and keep our business true to the vision. Yeah, because we want to stay in the nice, warm, fuzzy, abundant place. We don't want to fall into scarcity just because (laughs) the world is like falling apart. No, (laughs) but yeah, totally. (laughs) And there's still there's still tons of money out there. There's, you know, there's still people that 
need our medicine, our services, they they do. And if we can't keep ourselves well, and kind of stay grounded in this, okay, Mm -hmm. like, I've got this layer of protection, then we're not going to be able to show up in in the way that people will need us. And I I don't want anyone to think like, oh, I can't launch my course now because of what's happening. Like, that's not the vibe. You know, people still need you, people still need your work. So put it out there, you know? Yeah. And then again, maybe, maybe we bring compassion back into this because maybe we set goals for launches and because the world is responding to everything that's going on and everyone is being a a bit more discerning, maybe our launch doesn't make quite as much, but it's still successful. Like we can, can we still find success in that? Can we still recognize that we're helping people or that we're at least spreading the message of what we do and getting ourselves out there and things like that. So I think compassion in this way can go a long way as well. Yes. Ah, Love it so much. (laughs) So I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about your program, your signature program, Embracing Abundance, that's coming up in your world. So how can people work with you? How can they sign up for the wait list? How can people find you and connect with you? All the things. Yeah. So I actually just closed the program for last quarter, which was so exciting because there was just so many transformations. Like you just you know, you launch a program and you know how much you put into it, right? But you never know what people are going, what clients are going to also put in, in order to get out of it. And doing this work in community too, there was just like magic that happened. Like I've done a lot of individual one-on-one, but this was really one of my first times running a group program. So because it was so amazing, we're going to run it again. And this will be something that we offer quarterly. So there will always be an opportunity to kind of join in, but it really follows kind of the path that I shared earlier where we do the money story work and we get a chance to unlearn and then we get a chance to rewrite and then we move through the the more strategic side of it. So uh, it's six weeks in length. They're jam-packed. So I don't know if I'll take a little bit out so that we can integrate more or or what that's going to look like. But there's so much information in the six weeks. We meet weekly. Nice. Uh, there's both training and somatic work within the session. So we do get to get into our bodies and kind of explore how we can come into better relationship um, somatically with money, which is really, really sweet. So Find me on Instagram at Abundance Advocate. DM me if you're interested and I can get a wait list up. Yeah. And then also I have a newsletter. So if you'll invite me into your inbox, I know that's that can be a sacred space. Uh, <laughs> that's going to have all of the information about the next cohort of Embracing Abundance, which I will be promoting next week, starting next wow. week. Oh, it's a good time to step into your (laughs) world. I'm like, I want to join this program. It sounds super good. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jesse, so much for coming on the Stream Sunday podcast. This has been such an amazing conversation. So, so beautiful. So many amazing tips. And I'm so happy that you came on. So thank you. Thanks, Mia. Thank you for being open and excited to have a money conversation. And I'm so glad that we got to have this time together. Of course. She's a uh, financial guide. Nope, not not that cast. Uh, not recession. Um, I already said that. Okay, that was weird. No, actually, no, this. <laughs>
that's the introvert in us where we're like, eh, how do we end this? I just want to sneak away. <laughs> okay, end. <laughs>